Welcome to Artist Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God. Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Martin Dawes. He's a sculptor who works primarily as a commissioned artist in a variety of mediums. Martin has become well-known for his figurative and representational work, which ranges from loose impressionistic work to traditional sculptures with a late 19th century style. From the World Athletes Monument in Midtown Atlanta to his contemporary site installations, Martin has developed a very personal style of collaboration from his work with private, public, and corporate clients. Born in Johannesburg, South Africa, Martin moved to the United States when he was a child and grew up in New Jersey. He studied at Boston University School of Fine Arts and received a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Sculpture from Georgia State University. He apprenticed for eight years under Julian Harris. Martin began his own custom sculpture studio in 1987 and incorporated as Cherry Lion Studios in 1994. He leads a team of talented apprentices at his 6,000-square-foot studio near downtown Atlanta. Here, Martin blends state-of-the-art technology with a disciplined classical approach. He's known for his ability to collaborate, stay within budget, and meet deadlines. The studio has developed several mold-making and casting processes, as well as relationships with many area foundries. Welcome, Marty. Thank you. It's so great to have you here today. I'm curious how you got interested in this medium of sculpture. Because uh, I was better at it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, when I went to a traditional art school, uh, which in the mid-'70s only existed in a few places, um, where we did the figure, and we painted drew, sculpted, designed. Uh, and I just was just had a natural talent for three-dimensional. You know, it's two-dimensional artists see like you're looking through a, a camera lens. Three-dimensional artists see around corners. And, and uh, that just came naturally to me. So, so that's, you know, it was whatever I was good at. That's, that's sort of the direction it went. Well, and I know that your bio said that you all work in a variety of different mediums at your studio. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite medium oh, that clay. you're working? Oh, clay. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just the most sensitive, the most erotic, the most responsive uh, is working in clay. I, I, I easily lose myself in clay, and we work in a number of me- number of mediums. It, you know, it depends on the the commission and the purpose and um, the whole picture of that particular job. So they start in a lot of different mediums. But uh, but probably 80% of the time in clay. So you would start in clay. If you're going to do something that's a cast mold, you, mm-hmm. would, you would create it in clay and then... Then it would be reproduced somehow. Yeah, yeah, a mold made and then cast in, in whatever material that particular commission called for. See, um, I sort of took a little different route than, than uh, a lot of artists do right out of school. I, uh, I, I just realized early on in school that... that it wasn't like I had some message that I needed to get out. I have more of a, I have more of a architect's um, personality, where I, where I like collaborating. Um, I, I didn't, I, I, I wanted to work with people and and create things that were, you know, what is it, the, 
the the end is um, the, some of the parts of the I'm saying it completely wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, a group creates something bigger than an indi- an individual would do. Um, well, and I've heard it said that you know if you're going to row a canoe, you can do that by yourself, mm-hmm. but if you're going to row, you know, a big a big cruise ship you have to have a lot of people. So it depends on the vision of what you're trying to do with it as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, and I, I have a collaborative personality. Um, you know, for a lot of artists and, and, uh, um, in some ways I wish I was one, they don't want to ever collaborate. They've just got something they've got to do in the studio, but it was just being honest with myself and realizing that I wasn't that kind of person that I liked interaction that I liked, um, uh, being presented with a situation that needed a solution. In some ways, even artists, when they do work by themselves, are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're solving problems. I just was very interested in problems that were a lot bigger than me. They were, they were site-specific. They dealt with someone wanting to achieve a goal that was just bigger than my own goals. Well, and I, I know that you were an apprentice for eight mm-hmm. years, and, and you actually have apprentices that work with you at your yeah. studio how important is that apprenticeship in this type of art form? Oh, it's 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 very very important. We're 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 uh, we're all collaborators. You have to leave your ego at the door. You have to um, be conscious of what the ultimate goal is. That that it's that it's finding something that really works on as many levels as possible. From from um, subconscious levels to practical levels, you know, f- meeting budgets, um, first impression levels, how it works when people first see it, um, uh, how it carries through. And, you know, we've, we um, are almost commercial sculptors, and some of the work isn't as, um, doesn't have as much depth. Some of, some of it has a very specific purpose and a very specific need. Other pieces, it's, it depends on the nature of the commission, uh, have um, a lot of different uh, levels that will be brought into it because of the piece. So those are the ones that I enjoy the most, you know, the ones that aren't just about making something that looks pretty. Although that's fun. Right. That's fun. There's a great story where, where uh, Rosalind Carter came to the studio and they wanted to redo the rose garden, put a sculpture in the middle. So in my normal process, I researched everything about the Carter Center, tons to look at. Um, delved into what their their mission statements were, what their purpose was, because uh, it's in a pretty amazing place. It what, is, what and it's and, beautiful. And Rosalind have done. Right. Um, came up with this piece that was sort of based on a globe with people in it and, and all this different imagery. Well, Rosalind came back to the studio, and she said, Marty, I spend all my day trying to save the world. I really just want something pretty. Because <laughs> you just do something for the Rose Garden that I can go and sit there and and just enjoy myself. So we did a female figure that was sort of dancing and, and fun for it. So it, it runs the gamut. It runs the gamut. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about your process of how you work with a client from a collaboration standpoint. Um, what what do they give you f- mm-hmm. at the beginning, and then what do you come back with, and how does that process work? And, and that's the, the the most enjoyable part of the process is that, is is learning, figuring out what they're about, and then coming back with something that works. Um, so obviously research, like I mentioned with the Carters, um, um, all the different uh, commissions that we do, um, finding out as much as I can about them. So there's interviews with them, um, um, 
depending on what the commission is going to be about, there are all different ways that I find out information about them. So just gathering information. And then I generally use words to source as, as my best friend. Um, the piece we did for the food bank, I'd write up a lot of words about what the food bank is about, everything that they do. Um, talk to uh, everyone from who's on the board to people working in the warehouse. Uh, and then make a whole list of words and then have those words become other words. Uh, and the piece that we developed from them was based on the word nourish. So when that word nourish came up, that was an incredible inspiration for what the piece should be about. All kinds of imagery came out of that word. Um, so we did a sets of, of tables and chairs um, in overscaled, so adults sitting in felt like kids and in little ones so kids could sit in and feel like adults. And the whole you know, the imagery of a table and a chair is about community, about serving people, about being together. So, And that all came from the word nourish. Um, the one for the uh, juvenile court where we won the competition for, for Fulton County, in the mission statement for juvenile, co juvenile court, it says that their purpose is to bring balance back into the kids' lives. That on top of knowing that some 90-something percent of the kids are there because they're in a bad situation, not necessarily because they're a bad seed, as right. they used to call. Um, and balance is a three-dimensional word. So the whole piece developed out of the word balance. When you walk in the court, there's 60 or 70 cast pieces below horizon line in disarray. On the right side of the wall, they come together uh, in a 18-foot children dancing, the same pieces cast again. So it's really, it's very literal. It's about the court, you know, as simple as getting the power turned on so the alarm goes off so the kids get to school. It's it's very literal what what, what the court does for the kids. So when you're working on a <laughs> an idea or when you're working on a project, do you have some sort of a process that you use to kind of connect with that divine flow or that creative source um, when you're when you're coming up with what you're going to present, just quieting my mind, quieting my mind. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, in a way a child of the '60s, and and uh, was reading Baba Ram Das when I was 14, and and um, a lot of the alternative spiritual stuff through my whole life. Um, so it's always been it. it, it Sculpting, or I imagine for a lot of artists, when they're making art, it's they're meditating, that they're channeling, um, that they're losing, hopefully, losing some of the judgment, some of the ego, um, so that when you're making pieces, they're better than what you could do by yourself. Um, so I, I think that's that's part of the process that happens for me. I, for the last few months, have been crazy about Abraham Hicks. I don't know mm -hmm. if you're aware of that. I so, am. so I've been meditating with that in the morning. And th the flip side of my personal journey is I, I love science. I'm, I uh, study a lot of, of uh, um, astronomy, a lot of uh, quantum mechanics. And, and uh, when I started reading all the Abraham work, it's, it's, it's quantum mechanics, really. Uh, the, the, uh, Quantum mechanics is about probabilities. You can be in two places at once. It's about alternative realities, and it's where cutting-edge physicists are are studying theory now. You know about the whole accelerator in in, in Switzerland. So, 
it's all in a, it's all the same thing to me. It's very very interesting. Alternative realities, multiverses. So, have you always thought of yourself as an artist? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was five, I did a drawing of a guy in a beard with a top hat, and everybody said it looked like Abraham Lincoln. I I don't remember. I was probably <laughs> just doodling. Um, so was reinforced at a young age. No one in my family. My father worked on Wall Street. Mom was a homemaker. None of the other siblings were creative. And it, I think it's just one of those things where uh, it just happened to be reinforced from a young age that, that I uh, was creative. And um, so I paid attention to that. And, and I think that's, that's how it developed. And then fairly traditional and going to art school and get an apprenticeship and then uh, we're just really lucky to have a career it's 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 you know it's very difficult well we were talking before we went on air that you know how many artists actually graduate from art school every year I recently heard a number that it was like 35,000 graduate from art school every year and and how few of them are able to then continue that as their primary career so what do you think it was about your particular journey that that allowed you to make this a full time a full time career for you, and to support other artists. I mean, you have other artists that yeah. work for you as well. Yeah, yeah, and and, and um, it's an incredible responsibility, and I love it. Uh, um, I, I I don't I really don't know luck. Um, I just am, am one of those people that that never doubts that I'm going to be able to do something uh, that. But I'll ju- just try it. Um, no, I never just don't ever worry about whether it's going to happen or not. Um, but, uh, you know, worrying's creating the opposite of what you want. So I was going to um, say Abraham Hicks is yeah, that's, that's right in totally line with what, what they teach. I think that's why why I liked it so much. Um, and it's gotten me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, because I take on things where I p- probably didn't research it enough, or or um, we've had some some big catastrophes. You know, we we. I found out halfway through doing about a $9,000 commission of all these casts for someone in Florida that, that if you pour plaster and pigment it, if you drop any kind of reinforcement in the back afterwards, it shadows through to the front. So we had some, eight, I don't know, 300 and something casts that as they dried were useless. Oh, no. Because so, we were just you know, winging it and having fun. So. Well, that's part of being an yeah. artist, too, is you try things that are new, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Always new. Well, and, you know, the 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 creative process that's very personal that I go through with myself and the clay is really not any different than all of us talking about how we're going to solve a casting problem and being creative with it. You know, we're those kind of people who walk into a store and figure out how to use something for something that's not supposed to be used for you know which is is a is a creative process in a way so it's um well innovation is a big word now and so it's the innovation process of you know taking something and using it in a different way or presenting presenting it in a different way yeah problem solving is that's right so how do you how does your spirituality find expression in your art well, I, I suppose because I'm, I'm basically a figurative artist, even though we do a lot of non-figurative work. And and um, there's a quote, and I'm paraphrasing by Rodin, that says the uh, that the the figure is the envelope for the soul, uh, and that's a a lot of what my personal work that I do. You know, I don't even call all my work is personal. Somebody says your work, well, the commission work's my work too, um, but the work I do just solo. 
by myself, not collaborative. Um, tends to be figurative, tends to be very searching, tends to be um, that we're looking at the at the the soul inside of that envelope. That's generally what my the solo work that I do by myself, and that's where it comes out the most. Doing a uh, a series right now of of people who look like they're looking down, at, looking into a manhole in the ground, um, just layers and searching. I think that's where the spiritual part comes out in my work a lot. So do you find that, um, because you have this whole studio to run and you work with your apprentices and you meet with clients and you have to do the budgets and there's a lot of things that you do other than your workers art. Comp, workers' comp drives me crazy. <laughs> crazy. So, so how, how much time are you able to actually spend creating your art versus all of the other things that go into being a successful artist? Um, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. I get there a couple hours before everybody else. And, and and my partner and I have have three year old twins, so that is really difficult. Oh wow! So we have a nanny, but but um, so just finding the time for that. The kids are loving the studio. They're gonna they're gonna be there a lot. We've set up a little nursery in it, but but that is really hard. You have to be very disciplined to find that time, um, because the 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 creative part is challenging, and it's, it's sometimes you want to avoid it, you know. So it's really easy to get caught up in returning emails and doing accounting or figuring out because it's something. all stuff that has to be done too. It has to be done too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I have, you know, I do the to-do list. I have, I have, um, 20 years of uh, legal pads with my to-do list. I've kept them. <laughs> um, and that's what keeps me kind of on track that, that I prioritize it and, and get through it. And, and I have being that we have a large enough warehouse. I have some personal space that's mine, um, that I can go and, and just, um, work on that stuff. So how many commissions are you all typically working on at a time? Um, generally anywhere from 8 to 15. Wow. But we, we do a lot of work for um, uh, the hospitality, for hotels. Um, that's where that's where a lot of the business is now, and it's really uh, fun. Um, in the last, I don't know, eight, five years, uh, hotels have been moved from commissioning more painting into three-dimensional Everybody's kind of into three-dimensional. So we've been developing all kinds of mediums and just having a great time with it. The new one looks like large water beads on the wall, big eight-inch diameter water beads. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's really it's really fun just developing the technology for that. Um, so that's that's where a lot of the work is now. So y- when when folks go to your site, they'll see that you've done a lot of different work and yeah. a lot of different types of work. Do you have... A favorite or a couple of favorites of the pieces that you've done over the years? Um, yeah, the 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 big twelve um, foot stainless steel piece. It's it's called landing gear, which is 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 you know comes from um, I've gone completely blank. Hugh that wrote um, the books back in the sixties, but he talks about that your that your your body is just landing gear. That's that's how you get here. Um, so I did a piece and it's. Uh, an enormous, very abstract figure landing on his hand. His mm-hmm. other hand and his feet are up in the air. And um, we did it for Cousins, the developer here in Georgia, and, and um, was really fortunate that they uh, were willing to have it cast in stainless steel because it's about twice bronze. So it's uh, that's one of my favorite ones. And is it installed in Atlanta? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah in uh, at um, Terminus in Buckhead. Okay. 
and it was just it was great the the it's all up on you know about a five inch steel pipe and it was thirty five hundred pounds of clay. We built tents that rolled over it and humidifiers that kept the clay wet and made tools. The problem you have is you do a maquette that's nineteen twenty inches tall and your thumb is proportionately fairly large to that. When you go and do a twelve foot one, your fingers are way too small. <laughs> so we made rubber tools that my hand slipped into that were proportionally the size of my thumb to a twelve foot piece. And just you know, just swinging your arm and smacking it. It was um, it was a lot of fun, and it took thirty years of learning to do this to keep that much clay up in the air that it didn't fall down. Because clay's it's mud, didn't want to stay upside down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so another so. advantage of apprenticing and then having the experience is then you can try things because of everything that you've learned over the years. It's you know, and 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 even some of the the. Less interesting commercial work. A lot of sculptors get out of uh, out of college, can't make a living. They do props for movie industry, TVs. I, I sculpted a twelve foot diameter hamburger for McDonald's once. Wow! You know, which <laughs> I learned a lot from. Yeah, it was it was really kind of interesting to do it. So you just have to take that with the, with the process. But but all of all of even the more commercial things add to your knowledge base, so that when you go to do your work, you have a, a lot more to draw from. So how has your art affected your spiritual evolution, or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? Well, they're, they're just completely integrated. I, I, I mean, I, I think if I was, you know, a commercial real estate agent, it would be a lot harder for me to integrate them. But they're, they're, they're directly related to each other. Um, you know, uh, uh, as a spiritual being, being creative, that's as close as you can get, I think, that, that process. Um, so they're 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 one and the same, do you know? I remember when I was young and went to a meditation class and said, you know, I have a hard time meditating, and they said that's because you do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you just you don't call it specifically it <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> do you know? So that's I think that, that's how related it is. Well, and you teach some classes at your studio. Yeah. So how how does that work? How do people come and take a class and what it, what do they learn from the classes that they come and take at your studio? Well, it's, it's, it's really an open studio format where we have wonderful models. We have a nude model and people sculpt in clay and, and, um, serve wine and bake bread and, and play music. And it's just, it's for people to lose themselves in their, in that very personal space. That's, that's about being creative. Um, uh, so they can kind of attach their own little meditative process completely. to their creation. Completely. And, you know, you have the same model, the same clay, the same tools, the same stands, and 18 people standing around it, and not one piece looks alike. They're all different. They're all different. And a lot of times when we used to teach, uh, I still every once in a while, once a year, I'll teach a portrait class, the heads people do look more like themselves often than the, than the model. Do you know? It's a really, oh, really interesting process. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes a very self-reflection kind of process, yeah. even in the even in the clay itself. Exactly, that's very interesting. Exactly. I hadn't thought of that. I um, used to take a lot of life drawing classes, and I was always, at, you know, I always was amazed at how different everybody's pieces looked, you know, at the end of the evening because, you know, b- people were at different levels of expertise, but then the way they were presented. And what they represented of the model, they might not draw the whole model. They might just do a yeah. part part of the model. Yeah. And so everybody's pieces look very different. Well, and, and you know the the whole process of life. There are there are in this room we're in now. There are literally tens of thousands of things to notice. Well, you pick out fifteen or twenty that you care about, and that's going to be different for everyone. 
So it's it's really a very personal process to go through being creative. And your perception definitely colors what you're gonna Completely. what your reality is. Completely, yeah. So how do people find more about you and find the studio? Um, d- d- online, terrylion.com. Terry Lion is a, it's cherry like the fruit line, like the animal. It's just sort of a tongue in cheek name we, we made. Somebody put wooden cherries in the lion head that was on the front door for a while. And <laughs> it, it just was fun. Um, we, we wanted to keep sort of a, a tongue in cheek feel about it, you know, that we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, uh, and it's just word of mouth and we've just been really fortunate to, build up a, a, a number of clients that keep coming back, a lot of art consultants. And cherrylion.com is the website. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, um, do you have any, any last ideas for our listeners of how they could connect their own art with their own expression of their spirituality? You know, I did, to um, put yourself in a space with a goal of what you want to do with with some you have a goal and you want to do something with it um meditation is the best way to to have that happen um and that's for me very close to my spirituality when i'm when i'm quieting uh, all the gibberish when i'm breathing deeply um and letting things come to me um because i don't feel like i i don't think of some of the solutions we have they they come to me from being connected to something so that's just quieting the mind using meditation as your creative tool for me is the is the most powerful tool that i have for that and so is your meditation a combination of just being completely still as well as the meditation that you have as you're working with clay both yeah yeah for for they serve different purposes when you want to come up with an idea you know that's why i do i do the think tank wall where i just write words and just sit there with the words uh the process of moving and actually um, sculpting um i almost you know it's everyone talks about that they disappear they don't know where the three hours went when they were taking class or when i'm sculpting that's that's when you're connected when you're not aware of the time um that you're in a different realm so so those both both of those situations for me whether i'm moving or sitting still but but a, a, a sense of loss of of time and and a sense of being very connected and when you mentioned your three-year-old twins uh-huh and i am three-year-old is very young but yeah. are you um are you trying to get them used to the idea of you know being still and meditating, or is the, is it too early oh, to try no to way. do that? Yeah, <laughs> no, actually, the the I have a boy and a girl, uh, Nicola and Jesse, and and Nicola will sit and and draw uh, uh, at at her little table for forty five minutes. Wow! By herself, she is she 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 loves to do that. Jesse Jesse's actually fairly quiet uh, a lot of times too, but he wants to take things apart. He wants to figure out he figures out how laptops work already it's kind of crazy really so he knows how to turn them on and he's starting to figure out the mouse and all that well so. cable ready yeah they come cable ready now yeah, they do they do <laughs> so tell our listeners one more time how they can get in touch with you uh, and, uh cherry lion which is uh it's cherry like the fruit lion like the animal dot com great and i am so excited that you were here with us today and i i have been so impressed by the work on your site oh. um one of the, my favorite pieces is the piece that you did for Alpharetta, Georgia, with the 
it's a whole ring of children standing behind this huge tree that's an actual tree around the tree and then these children are in metal mm-hmm. are they bronze is it bronze it's a bronze composite i wish, <coughs> wish they'd had the budget for real bronze but, yeah but they didn't but, but it's um, it's so um striking oh, to thanks. see these children dancing around this big tree it's a very important tree it's a very old beautiful wonderful tree the, the problem we had we couldn't do concrete footings because we didn't disturb the roots so we have long oh. steel pipes going down into the ground but but thanks yeah and, and kids can go up and join it we left gaps so you can go up and, and uh, hold hands with them in that circle Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I oh, encourage pleasure. our listeners to go and look at your look at your work on your website and to come take a class if they're here in Atlanta. So thank Super. you for being with us today. Thanks. Um, thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of Art as Worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash artisworship. Or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.